welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. As always, I am so happy you're here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. However you're consuming the podcast, I'm really looking forward to this episode because this is a longtime uh, friend in the creative space. We've had a lot of discussions about the topic we're going to talk about today, and that is the future of podcasting. Where is podcasting going? How has it been up until now? So let's welcome our guest, none other than Ecamm's community manager, Mr. Doc Rock. What's up, dude? What's up, Jay? Good to see you, brother. Yeah, man. Of course. Sorry to interrupt the the Instagram reel or story, whatever no, you had I was, going on. I was storying <laughs> you, so now everybody's going to see you doing the excited welcome. Man, it feels like I haven't seen you in so long. What's it been, two weeks? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Two weeks. <laughs> Yet we've probably texted almost every day since then. Uh, <laughs> the new besties. Um, well, thanks for showing that off on Instagram. I'm very... Uh, if you haven't noticed, if, if you've never watched the podcast, um, you should probably go check it out because I talk a lot with my hands. My hands move a lot. I don't know what to do with these things when I'm talking. I can't keep them still. You know? mine, mine do too, but that's my Latino blood, so I just deal with it. It's just part of the thing. So I had to like rearrange my mic to make sure I don't hit it. And it's funny because if you watch Ana Infulgence, Ana, she's Dominican, always talks about hitting the hitting the mic with her hands. So yeah, it's just a thing. You just adjust your mic so that it's out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm mine sits up high, so I can do that now. And I, you know, I, I think you, you know, when you're recording a podcast or even when you're recording a YouTube video, you gotta talk like you would in person. Like that feeling comes across yeah. in the way you talk. So if you're going, if you're talking about something funny and you're smiling and laughing like that, that mood comes across in audio, even with those reflections. That is the best pro tip ever, right there. I think enough people don't realize smile when you're talking, even when you're by yourself. It actually comes through in the recording, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. It's a thing. Yeah, it is. Like when I was recording um, my very first ad for this for this podcast, which you know, I was play, played last week's episode. Hang on, you'll, you'll hear a little ad shortly here in, in, in the episode, guys. But it, it, listen to it because you can tell when I was when I wrote my script and I was reading it, I was smiling. I even laughed, kind of chuckled at one point, and you can pick up on that in the audio if you truly listen. And it just <laughs> makes the ad a little bit more uplifting and positive. But we're not talking about that today. <laughs> no, it's it's funny to me to think about you chuckling by yourself because I do that all the time. And then here's what I immediately do. If something cracks me up when I'm totally by myself, right after I laugh out loud, really loud, I don't know why instinctively, I like look both directions just to see if anybody's watching me make a fool out of myself. That's it's awesome. kind of funny. Well, Doc, um, Thanks for coming on the show. You know, uh, for those that don't know Doc, Doc's been on the show before. Doc Rock is the community manager manager at Ecamm, which I'm a huge fan of, which has taken, I feel like, this podcast to the next level and just given me the tools that I want to be able to create the show that I want and given me the tools to be able to expand the show how I want to in the future. Like, all the tools are there with Ecamm, so thank you so much for turning that on to me. And you know, when you came out to San Diego a couple of weeks ago, uh, and even before then, 
uh, a little bit. We were talking a lot about podcasting and that's how I use Ecamm, right? I don't really use it for going live. I like going live. I just got really bad internet. It just doesn't work out very well. I don't get the quality out of my live streams that I would like. And I blame Cox. If they ever listen to this podcast, it's your fault, Cox Communications. Um, Anyway, so podcasting has been around for a very, very long time. And you've had a podcast or two uh, as well, haven't you, Doc? Oh, yes. I've had my own personal podcast before. It was actually called Podcast. We didn't even know what it was. Um, we had a combination of podcasting and shoutcasting and ice casting all back in the day. And I was an early on person because I was in radio at the time and was looking for a way to get out of that. Um, I did a British Tech Network podcast for over a decade, um, which is really weird because I'm in Honolulu and they're in the UK. But, you know, I used to just get up at like four o'clock in the morning, Skype in with my fellows and, you know, do a double lender where, you know, you record one in on your side and then just email the files at the end. It was it was a lot. But we've been doing video podcasts there. I've been on Twit a couple million times. I'll be on Twit this Sunday again, uh, this week in tech or MacBreak Weekly a lot. And I just recently started Creator 50 and... Yeah, it's it's fun, and I'm just about to ramp that back up. Um, I had to take a sabbatical for some family stuff for a little bit, but that's all squared away now, so now I can get back to doing my Creator 50 podcast. So, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a long, long time. Been a guest on many podcasts. You know, with all your experience in podcasting and radio, uh, like, how have you seen podcasts evolve? What have been some of the biggest changes you've seen since podcasting What first became a thing, you know, 10 plus years ago. Uh, you know, it's funny because technically podcasts started in like 2004, but up until Serial, probably Serial in This American Life, put it on the point where your random non-nerd friend was all of a sudden listening to podcasts, you know? Um, some say it had a lot to do with the podcast apps, either the Google Play app or the uh, Apple Podcast app making it to phone so that people understood. But, you know, before you went into your phone, you downloaded a podcast aggregator like Castro or Overdub or Overcast, or there's many of them out there. That helped. Spotify picking it up did wonders. It did absolute wonders. And it seems funny because podcasts predate Spotify by almost twice Spotify's age, but when everyone had a vehicle to which they could press a button and find stuff that they're interested in. The other thing is once it got out of the hands of nerds and it got into regular people, which is, I honestly, I have to put it in the hands of the true camp, true crime podcast makers. You guys made it open to everybody. And a lot of us OG tech podcasters who's been around, whatever, they don't like hearing that, but it's, it's honest to goodness truth, Right. When my sisters all of a sudden knew what a podcast was and they're super anti-tech because of me, probably. <laughs> um, that's when you knew it had made it, right? It was like, oh, did you see the serial thing? You know, and then, or um, what is the other one? Crime Junkies, right? Um, I find myself, like, shameless pleasure listening to Ashley and Britt, and I'm all into I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here listening to the quote-unquote podcast for ladies, but it's good. The production quality is good. The stories are good, you know, and I was always into those kind of things on TV anyway. So, yeah, it has to do with the fact that it's been available to just the general population now and not this weird segment of people. 
Yeah, and I think that's what I, I totally agree that podcasts really took off when there became an application that essentially made it easy for the masses just to get those episodes pushed to them, essentially. You know, it was it was just push pushing the RSS feed to these applications before you actually had to like, yeah, go to an RSS feed and know how go to do get that. The and RSS like, feed. And that was the crazy part. Everything wasn't <laughs> in one place. But when Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts started to come available on phones by default, you turned on your phone and they were there, that people started to click on them and like, oh, what's this? Oh, I can start listening to this. And then you had the quality of shows like This American Life. I still listen to each and every week, like my favorite show. Um, And yeah, you just had to have a platform there for people to consume the podcast. That really helped it take off. But now let's start talking about some of the problems that we're seeing today before we get to talk, before we talk about where we think podcasting is going. The problem I see today now as a podcaster, first and foremost, is that there are too many apps for people to listen to your podcast at. at. It's kind of weird to say that. Like you like, oh, your podcast is everywhere. It's on all these applications. But people just at this point don't know where to go. They, they go, I mean, they do and they don't. It's kind of just all over the place. And the problem with having too many applications is that they're all private companies. They all have their own <laughs> back end. Nothing communicates with each other. So if you want to fully know the reach of your show, it's almost impossible. And yeah. if it, it, you got to go everywhere. And there's places my podcast is at that I didn't even put on there, but somehow it's on there. You know, you, and I wouldn't even know how to log in to check the downloads there and the reach there. So there are the big ones, right? Spotify uh, and Apple really are the, are the big ones. And then, and then you got Google Podcasts. There's some other ones depending on what country you're in. But the problem I see now is it's really impossible to to, uh, judge your reach and engagement on the show, which in turn can can really make it difficult for you to podcast as a business, to make it a business and to monetize it because you're kind of guessing at this point. Am I right? Yes, that is 100% true. A lot of people don't even know that um, Meta for Creators has podcasts. You can put your podcast directly in Facebook now, right? Um, It exists in Amazon. Taking clips of your podcast and putting it on the Amazon, you know, brief is part of Amazon Music. So you're right. It's all over the place. And what that means is it's hard for you to really understand your reach. Um, The thing I would say about apps is I liken them to television in a sense and what i mean by that um once we got to smart tvs right which is still again relatively new but most people have one so you kind of understand if you don't have all the same brand smart tv in your house right uh each experience at each TV is now different. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be you open up your TV, you open the cable box, you went straight to, you know, one, two, 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 you got ESPN. Now you open up, there's a smart TV interface. Each of the remotes are different, right? And then when you go to click the next flick, the Netflix app or the Amazon Prime app. Those are the two most popular on almost all smart TVs. The way that they interact with your menus and finding your shows and scrolling down and clicking what you want to click and you finally get to ozark and like some of them will play the trailer some of them won't play the trailer some of them have easy access buttons to get back and forth some of them you got to do this weird song and dance because the interfaces are all different so the content's the same 
But how you access that content is so very different. Going even from, say, like a Sony to a Vizio to a TCL to a Samsung to an LG to whatever the heck the Best Buy free brand is called, Insignia, <laughs> something like that. It's just, it's a mess. And you're, but the show is still good. Ozark is still Ozark. Fantastic show. But like trying to work your way to find that when you go to your friend's house to use theirs, it's all messed up. So what you have to do when you're going through apps, number one, don't just take Spotify at its best because that's what you use. There are way better podcasts app out there. That will do things like sync from device to device. That will do things like give you uh, speeded, speeded, that's not the right word, sped up playback, right? Like I listen to certain podcasts at 2X because they talk slow, but the info is good, right? I would say it's actually worth going through a couple different until you find the one that you love, right? For me, it's Overcast. And I went through Castro. I went through Overcast. I went through... um, uh, there's another one, something FM, which completely escapes me right now. I've tried, you know, Spotify, the regular Apple one, the Amazon player. Like I've tried myriad, myriad, myriad players and I keep coming back to overcast because of the way that it works. You might have to test a couple and it's okay, but do yourself a favor. Don't just trust. Uh, I like the Spotify app because you'll find better experiences. And here's something cool. I only recently discovered and it makes me mad that only recently discovered it now. There is an application called Air. Have you ever heard of that? Air with two R's? I haven't, no. Oh my goodness. Jay, this is such the bomb. So this is called Air, and I'm showing you like people at home watching can see this. (laughs) You can listen to your podcast in there, and in the middle of the podcast, Jared says something incredible. Or actually, last, last week you had Diana, and Diana was just the bomb, right? She says something that's really good. You can actually highlight what she said and save it as an air quote. And I did the air quotes. I know it's corny. But what that means is you're not just absorbing this content. You're actually able to put it to use. Because with that air quote, I can send it to you in one of our myriad messages. I can send it to Tom and be like, Tom, Jared says I'm really stupid. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Or like... There's a good, you know, the banter between Tom and Peter is just freaking hilarious. I swear they're married, not Tom and Heather. So I can take a good clip and send that out. And you're able to actually use it. So now when you're doing research on a product and you're going through a bunch of podcasts and you're trying to figure out should you cop that Mac Studio or not, you're able to find the segments of the research that you've saved. You can act upon it with different, you know, um, mechanisms that you use to store data like Evernote or Google Keep or however you keep your data. I use drafts. Um, But yeah, Air and Air Quotes is fantastic for that. And it's not even meant to be a full-on podcast listening app. It's mean to be a podcast. I'm going to use the stuff I hear in podcasts and not just entertain myself while I'm vacuuming. So that to me is incredible because nobody thought of that before. Everybody's just treating it like you're absorbing all this information and many, many people listen to podcasts as a way of learning business or learning filming or shooting or, you know, creator economy, whatever your story is. So air the two R's. Yeah, that's false. That's fantastic. And, and, uh, we're seeing like Spotify incorporate video right into the podcast player. I'm not a huge fan of how they've incorporated it because, uh, I got to think I'm not the only one out there that has a video version of the podcast and then a more polished audio version because I like to tighten up my audio and I like to put a little bit more finessing into the audio version than I do in the video version. 
and you can't upload both. It's one or the other, right? Like it takes the video That's and just takes silly. and just takes the audio from the video as the as the audio version. I want to upload too. I want to upload a can video you re- version. Can you replace it? And an, uh, no, you know because I, oh, I can't replace silly. my audio because I, I tighten it up a little bit. You know. Then yeah, no, no. I mean, take the video. the video version, and then when they put the audio version, can you switch the file? No, that's silly. Yeah, you can only okay, upload that, one. That, as far that as is I know, bona fide silly. Um, yeah, so no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, see, I don't <laughs> like that because the video version is a little bit more raw. There's slight editing, but it's just I don't correct that audio drift as much. Where I do that a ton for the audio version, right? There, there's audio drift. You just can't get around it. Like I tighten it up, EQ it, compress it. It just sounds a lot better. And because you want your levels a little higher for an audio only version than you do with a video version, you know? And I've noticed that with people that upload the video version and that's all they do because they want both options. When you listen to it, like if I'm listening in the car and I'm listening to the audio version and it's just the audio ripped from the video, the levels are too low. Like I got to turn the car up to almost 100% volume just to hear it so that's, that's so, no bueno. so and, and here's the funny thing you say about that because i take my videos all my videos and i run the audio file when i'm finished editing i use final cut i take the end product right when before i publish and i do save audio only first mm-hmm. i throw that into Alphonic. i have Alphonic desktop app but it's a website and, and it's free if you only stay under two hours worth of audio you can do it for free for a month i do way more than that so i just bought the app because it was like 80 bucks so i throw the audio file at it it does all of the cool stuff that you wanted to do but the number one thing i'm using it for is to push that level to negative 16 loudness under full scale or luffs or k weight k-rated whatever you want to call it the audio nerds know what i'm talking about i take that and you upload that to youtube but a lot of the podcast aggregators ask for negative 14 which is louder (laughs) you see what i mean Mm -hmm. so you're right that is a thing and even if i've you know final cut's not the best editor for audio but even if i've done all my compression eq and everything on there i still throw it at alphonic because alphonic is using the machine learning of all the platforms and trying to give you something that will work with everything. So it's actually working off of the more people upload from various locations, the more data. Now, if you're curious, anyone listening right now that want to understand exactly what you know Jared's talking about, pick uh, any of your news companies, MSNBC, you know, CNN, whomever. Listen to the different clips from the different shows and listen to the varying ranges of audio from that. And the reason why they got different production teams and the production teams that know they sound great. The production teams that the person that's working is, uh, I don't know, nepotism, a cousin or something, and they don't really know their audio engineering, all their clips are low and you can't hear them. Yep. You know, you always got to crank the audio up. And I, how can the same TV station put the different clips on their YouTube page at different audio levels an hour away from each other because different production teams, somebody in, I won't call anybody out, but somebody in one of the guys' show at CNN has no idea how to mix audio because all his clips are low. Sad part, he's probably one of their best presenters. That is painful. And I've sent, I've sent them DMs. I tried to explain it to them. They just don't even know. So that's how I know they don't know yep. because you would, li- oh, that's all I got to do to fix it? Okay, I'll try it. I've, I've, I've reached out to them like five times. They give up. 
And I'm just like, I'll jockey the uh, <laughs> the volume when I get to that clip. Man, we could get into the weeds. I mean, just like audio, video and audio, like there's just too many different, like there's too many different ways to do something. Just like there's too many. Yeah, the modality. There's too many gamma options for video, depending on what TV and how you're, how you're going to play it, whether it's going to be on like a big screen or a TV or a computer or your phone. Like, can we all just have one, I, like I know it's, it's and it was supposed easier. to be a standard. Right. It was supposed to be there's a standard. Too many and it never worked. <laughs> double, triple, quadruple standards for everything, depending on yes. how you're consuming it. Um, real quick, let's backtrack just a second. We were talking about the variety of apps, and you brought out some great points about the variety of apps and how it benefits the consumer of the podcast, the listener of the podcast, the person that's taking in the podcast. But what do you? What are your thoughts on? the amount of applications for the creator. Like, I think it's good, you know, it is good to have your podcast in all these places, but how do you think this proliferation, this so many applications affects the creator on that subject I was talking about, about not truly knowing yeah. your reach? It, it is, it's horrible because you don't know your reach and you want to be able to quantify that because that allows you to do things like monetize, get advertisers, all of the above. From the discovery standpoint, though, I think it's good because it allows people that you never thought would find your cast to find your cast. So what I would do, because you know me, I'm always about taking ownership for stuff. I would say, as a matter of fact, I do say, um, in my podcast at the end, I say, you know, you can get the podcast. If you're hearing this first time and you're hearing this by accident, you can get the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever podcasts get in this guy. That's my stupid line. I should tell them, I, I prefer it if you got the podcast from this location. It just makes things easier for me. If you really want to support the show, do me a favor, subscribe through this particular link. Even if you had the other link, unsubscribe and resubscribe through this. Because this way I can get the analytics and I can provide you a better show. Yeah. I would just put in community, my, you know, my community, my community do whatever I ask them to because I take care of them. I work really hard to take care of them and make sure they're getting what they're getting. So, yeah, I would try. And of course, it's not going to be flawless, no, but man, I would it's try be hard to do it. It's going to be hard yeah, to do it. First. 100%. You got to grow it's gonna a, come a, out weird. You're a good audience. You have to get like a large <laughs> enough, good, reliable, faithful audience to actually go and do that. Like you really can't do that when you're first getting started, you know? That's No, so, you can't. It's tough. Oh, well, you can put it a little bit in your writing and stuff or I guess in a way we're different now, right? Because when we started, there was no Instagram post to be your discovery channel, right? Your Instagram, your TikToks, your YouTubes, those are your discovery channel for your podcast. So you can coach your audience. They may or may not listen to you. <laughs> and it's already just hard enough because a lot of folks that have Androids don't know that they can still sign up for a podcast through the Apple link. Cause they just don't know how it works. So that, that, that in itself is confusing, but because you've been in video production for so long, this is like when you get the mechanical sheet for how the people want the video, I'm like, it's all on TV. Why does every station and every, you know, video platform ask for something different? Because each engineer has an idea. So this is, we've had this problem even in video. Podcast is a little worse. It's a little bit more messy. It really is. Well, guys, it's time for a short break. But when Doc and I return, we're going to talk about what we think about the future of podcasting. So we'll be right back. I wanted to share with you one of the best decisions and investments I've ever made as a content creator. 
Nothing has impacted the quality of what I create and how I create as much as Ecamm has. Ecamm is the leading all-in-one live streaming production platform built for Mac. But let me tell you, it is so much more than that. You actually don't even need to live stream with Ecamm. You can use its powerful production platform like I do to record videos and podcasts to ease the burden of post-production. Ecamm supports multiple camera inputs, camera LUTs, and color correction. You can build in scenes, overlays, text, widgets, and sound. The ability to bring on remote guests and record multi-track audio has been huge for this podcast. Oh, and I almost forgot, Ecamm allows you to stream and record in 4K. Good luck finding another application that lets you do that. Rather than being a cloud-based application, which, let's be honest, usually spits out junk, Ecamm is an application on your Mac, leveraging your computer's processing power rather than some remote server, ensuring you get the most power and the best quality. From beginners to experts, from content creators to businesses, thousands trust Ecamm to power their video productions. Use the link in the show notes or the description of the video to download Ecamm and try a 14-day free trial. Use code JARED15 at checkout if you decide to purchase to receive 15% off. Trust me, your future self is going to thank you. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. If you've noticed, I'm <clears throat> I'm bright red now because during that short little break, I took a sip of my soda and apparently it wanted to kill me and I was coughing like, like crazy. But now that we've talked about... Um, where podcasts kind of came from, the, how many apps there are, how it's benefited the listeners, how it has and hasn't benefited the creators. Let's start talking about the future of podcasting, especially when it comes to video. You work for Ecamm, which, you know, you guys are the perfect platform for video podcasting. I mean, you guys listening just heard an ad of all the reasons I love using Ecamm. And if you're going to start a podcast, you absolutely should be using Ecamm. But Let's talk about where it's going with video. There's been some stuff in the news lately with YouTube getting in the game. So why don't you shine some light on that and where you think podcast is going, Doc? Okay, I will say, first of all, I do believe the term will become vodcast at some point. I don't know why. Um, but I just think people like to label things. They like to label for differentiation sake. I almost got stuck on that word. But, um, yeah, as soon as YouTube steps in the game, it's lights out. <laughs> it's lights out for everybody because they have been aggregating content for going on 15 years. YouTube is almost 16 years old. They can get a license next year. Um, so because of that, they will understand better the segmentation, the categories, a lot of stuff. But people are already coming to YouTube. Like I mentioned before, every television comes with YouTube built in. Not every TV has a podcast player, but every TV has that built in, no matter where you get, even if you buy the junkest one. So I think that once YouTube pulls that trigger, all of the people who've been fighting, I want to make a video podcast, but, you know, YouTube's not good for it. And but yeah, all those things, you're going to get left behind. I'm sorry. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I suggest you start messing with it now. I suggest you put your toe in the water. You do what, what like for you, Jared, how many... You know, do you get a lot of traffic from the video side or is it all still heavily audio side? It, I mean, I got, I got to be honest. It, it really depends on the guest, uh, you know, that, 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 like that, me. that's a that's a huge part of it, depending on the if if it's a well-known guest that has a bigger channel, then, yeah, like the, the video does perform fairly well. But right now 
um, and me and you have talked about this with the YouTube algorithm and everything, the video outdoes, uh, the vi- the, sorry, the audio outdoes the video every time by far, by far. But that doesn't mean- It's the subscription thing that's why I believe. Yeah, and I don't, I, like, I don't think that means that audio isn't a good idea. I think it is a good idea. Yeah. Hundred percent. And so, okay, the way the podcast mechanism works right now, if you are subscribed to a podcast, it will the download will come to your phone automatically, and that's great. It's also bad because we were talking about the accuracy of your data. There are people who get really, really good download numbers because when someone first started getting into podcasts, they subscribed to the five that were on the top of the app just because they wanted to see what it was. They don't even listen to those anymore. They just download to their phones. And I know this because I helped a friend free up some space on their phone, and it had 57 gigs of podcasts in an iPhone. And they're like, I don't even listen to but these two. <laughs> it's because in the beginning, you thought you were going to listen to stuff, so you subscribe to a bunch of stuff, and some of these podcasts are just downloading every week, and the person's just not listening to them. I, I was like that with T.I. I listened to T.I. maybe like first 10 episodes and then I got bored of him, but I forgot to delete it. And it was just sitting there filling up a space. And until he quit, it was prolific, you know. So that's there is some benefit to the way the subscription thing works, but there's also a little negativity. And so how I will fix this for people in my head, and these are my opinions, not Jared's, you should build a community around your podcast. Because when you're conversating with your community, you know exactly how the word on the street is, so to speak. Because you know what they're picking up. You know what they're liking. You know what they didn't like. They're able to communicate with your guests. And a lot of times the two communities will blend and start to hang out together, right? So my community and Tom's community definitely crisscross. You know how I know? Because I'm talking to Jared right now. <laughs> I, got, I got Jared from talking to Tom. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's a, it's a very dope thing. If you want to be in control better and you want to be ready for when these apps do, number one, start putting your podcast on YouTube, even if you have to make a new channel. I know it's a little bit of extra work, but my guess is before the end of 2022, it will pay off because the YouTube podcast button is coming. It is. And there's there, been stuff there in, like four in the news billion this week. people on YouTube. There's been 100%. stuff in the news this Look week at about it. TechCrunch. TechCrunch just put out a whole article. But I've been saying this for a while. Everybody thought I was crazy. Now the article came out. I could do my little moonwalk and be like, told y'all. <laughs> so the other thing I would do is work on your community. Get your Discord popping, you know, and and try to have your users interact with each other. I know that in True Crime Obsessed, their Patreon community and their Facebook community, those people are ravenous and they all hang out. They all know each other and it's amazing, right? So as a community manager, maybe I'm, you know, um, preaching to the choir, but yeah, build your dope community. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I think video podcasts definitely are a, a way of like the wave of the future for, for podcasting. Um, I think you should start hedging your bet now. I've been hedging my bet you know, when it comes, when it comes to video podcasting and some, some podcasting and depending on the topic of the show can leverage video even better. You know, we've talked about Tom a couple of times. Tom does leverage his, the video versions of his podcast that he does very well because then those topics specifically kind of require video because maybe he's talking and showing off something specific. Whereas this, when it's just a, a one-on-one interview, 
maybe you like just watching one-on-one interviews, which is perfectly fine. And I'm glad that you do if you're watching it. So thank you. (laughs) But it's also, like you said, most TVs don't have, you know, a podcast player or, or, you know, you got to download Spotify, but maybe like if you don't use Spotify for anything, why would you download Spotify just to listen to a specific podcast? But if all your podcasts are on YouTube and every TV comes with YouTube, you can have it on. doesn't mean you're watching it, but you're still listening oh, no. to the audio, which is half fantastic. The time when I'm, half the time when I'm listening to you, it's because I want to hear the guests. I want to hear the information, but I'm doing something, right? I'm either cooking or, you know, working on a YouTube description or planning out a class or something of nature. So you're on and you're keeping me company. I'm not, I'm home by myself, right? So I'm forever listening to you or Tom and Heather or, you know, Mr. Camera Junkie, some of the other people out there that I listen to, uh, Peter and his hilariousness or Jason Morris, you know, Josh. I'm listening to this in the background. If you say something that requires me to see, I just stop and, you know, do the lean back (laughs) or rewind it real quick in order to get the visual. But it it all make the time go by so much faster, you know. It's it, they're literally like um you know, I, and I hear this joke from people in my community. You guys, uh, you know, their spouse would say, "Oh, you're listening to your TV friends or your internet friends," and that's because we're literally keeping that person company. It came in handy during the pandemic when a lot of people were isolated and at home alone. They loved having the visual of having a person that they're talking to in the room with them. It does make you feel like you're not by yourself. I'm not afraid of the dark or anything. You know, I'm ex-military, so I can handle my business. I still love having company when you guys are on and I'm doing something in the house. Yeah, and like for me, it's just another platform that someone can listen to the show. Even if they don't want to watch the video, they can still listen to it and have it on better, maybe surround sound, you know, with the hooked up with the TV. Yeah, you can air airplay a lot of stuff, but what if I'm using my computer and my phone and I'm doing work and I still want the podcast yep. on and I want to be interrupted? Then I have it on YouTube on my TV playing through the nicer sound and I can just pause it super quick. And, and you know what else is really good for? Interrupt. Yeah. It's good for long road trips. Um, when I was driving from New Don't York Don't watch TV while you're driving, guys. <laughs> no, no, but I had it on. I had it on the dash, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I can, you know, hear, you know, I can see stuff, whatever. And it's not about actively watching again. It's ambient, but I feel like there's another person in the car. And I know you can get that from audio. It's totally different when you can see the facial expressions and the Jared hand movements. <laughs> like, it's like you literally have somebody riding in a whip with you. And if you got a dashboard like yours, it's even better because it takes up the whole thing. <laughs> yep. And then my theory has always been, you know, I originally, initially invested in Ecamm just because of, you know, the audio capabilities of it. It was better than anything else that was out there at the time. And it's, it still is. And for me, they just happen to be fantastic for video too. And I'm having a guest on, so why not record? It's like, it's right there for you. Why not do it? It's just kind of a no brainer. If you're already jumping on a call with a guest, like hit the record button, Uh, make sure they're okay with it first. You know, and that I have that in my scheduler, you know, like this is a video podcast now as well. Like, are you good with being on video? So, you know, clear it with your guests, of course, but, um, VOD, vodcasting, <laughs> definitely. I don't know. I think it's going to catch sooner or later. I don't know when. And I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I was saying that long before anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we talked about just real quick before we wrap up the show, what I want to see from YouTube, you know, how they say YouTube shorts don't mess up your channel with the algorithm and everything. Currently video podcasts, 
do mess up your channel right now. Like if you have, like for me, I think my channel would probably perform a little bit better if I didn't have like a four or five minute video followed by a 30, 40 minute video, then a five minute video, then a 40 minute video about different stuff. So hopefully like shorts, YouTube, if you can tag it as a podcast on their podcast tab that's coming, that it doesn't mess up your channel and also reduces like the stress of having to have a whole nother channel just for your video podcast. I'm all for putting it all in one place. It's one overall brand, at least for me. And so it'd be nice to see if the algorithm treats it fairly and better than it does now. I believe that is 100% true. Okay, so what I would do definitely is send feedback to the creator program. If you look at your, uh, what is it called, YouTube studio, mm -hmm. there is a bottom right corner, there is a little place where you can do stuff. And before it got busy, they used to call and check on you every couple of months, which was cool. Like I used to have a, you know, a creative person, like, hey, how you doing? Whatever. She was super cool. We would have conversations. She would help me figure out things about, stop being lazy about my descriptions. <laughs> Because I used to never put descriptions. And she's like, you know, your videos will perform better if you actually filled out the description. I'm like, oh, okay. Kicking and screaming, I finally did it. Turns out, yeah, that's the SEO part of it. Um, so I think what happens is a lot of us, and I say this all the time, a lot of us will have these conversations with each other, but a lot of people don't send the feedback. And the only way these companies know what you really want is when you send them feedback. Now, I'm not saying... Uh, Go and call them all kind of weird names, <laughs> whatever. But go and say, hey, you know what would be really cool? I want to start showing people the podcast. I think the visual element is great. It'd be good information. But every time I do that, it messes me up with my click-through ratio and other things that you guys care about. So is there a way like Shorts where we can tag it, podcast, and then not be like part of my regular algorithm? And we'll get the We'll get the button faster. And when we get the button, rather than hoping that'll be the thing, it'll be the thing yeah. if enough of us send the feedback now. That's a good so idea. I, I, I will definitely feedback. I actually have a, a call with them next week because of something else I'm working on. So I'll let them know as well. But I think definitely go to, if you just look for YouTube creator support team and on Google and it'll take you to the page and just fill it out. I think it'd be very, very good info that they might not even know. It's true. You know, it's like your friend with the spinach in the teeth. And, like, you can't not tell them. It's just mean. Yeah. Just tell them about <laughs> the spinach in the teeth, okay? They're not going to know unless you tell so, them. That's a good point. So everybody yeah. listening or watching has homework, all right? If you are a content creator and you do a video podcast and you post it on your own channel, um, go send that feedback so we can we can get that, that algorithm And tell the spinach sent you so that way he gets in trouble, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Doc, hey, man, uh, I don't want to keep you. Thanks for coming on the, sh uh, on the show. It's good to see you again. Uh, get back to San Diego. Let's go get some, uh, oh, some ramen and uh, oh, have my some goodness. fun, man. So good. So, so good. And it's super funny that I was so busy the last time, I completely forgot to go and get the B-Shock ramen, and that is my classmate's restaurant. I feel bad. <laughs> She's going to probably hit me in the head with a sake bottle. She'll forgive <laughs> you, but we'll, we'll go the next time you're in town. All right, Doc, see you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Yep, Aloha. Yep. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with me and Doc catching up and talking about podcasting, uh, where it's where it came from, what it's doing, the struggles, and where it's going. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a podcast, you know, I'd love to know. Let me know down in the, uh, in the comment section of the video. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, rate the show. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys next week.